thank you for asking that because that's what keeps me going, Amber. I mean, if it if you're just looking at the work, I would have quit ages ago. You know when you're out with your workmates and it hits a point in the evening when someone says, all right, enough shop talk, what else is going on? And that's where the real conversation starts. This podcast is that conversation. My name is Arma Iqbal, and over the last 20 years leading innovation at companies like Facebook and Deloitte, I've met lots of interesting people. Sure, their day jobs sound cool, but I've always been fascinated by the real-life stories behind the executives. Our guest today is Anna Solomon, as well as being my former teammate at Meta. Anna is the founder of Pass Her The Mic, an organization that's helping to get women on the world stage. Here's my conversation with Anna. Hello, Anna. Welcome to the Enough Shop Talk podcast. How are you today? Hi, Emmer. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well today. I'm great. Always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. So, Anna, as you know, on this podcast, it's tradition to spend the first 60 seconds or less uh, letting the guests talk about who you are and what you do uh, for a day job. So, have at it. Thank you. Um, my name is Anna Soliman. I'm an agency development lead for APAC at Meta. That means I'm in sales. Uh, I basically partner with companies to help them succeed and get their optimal ROIs on Meta platforms and services. That's what I do. I love it. And that was much shorter than 60 seconds, which I like how you made Very it. efficient. Very efficient, very tight and concise. That's brilliant. So this is the point of the podcast, Anna, where I call a timeout and I'm going to say enough shop talk then. What I'm really interested in talking to you about today is uh, another initiative that you've launched. So Pass Her The Mic is an initiative founded by Anna that's on a mission to get more women onto the world's stages. What an awesome mission and what a worthy cause. So I thought maybe just to get to know you a little bit better and your work with Pass Her The Mic, it would be fun to start with a, a game of true or false if you're up for it. Shoot. Okay, so true or false number one. Women make up only 30% of speakers in professional settings. True or false? Sadly, true. Um, th that statistic actually gets a lot worse when it comes to um, certain topics like business and tech. It gets a little better when it comes to more like women-leaning activities like fundraising. But sadly, it's 30%, more or less. 30%, yeah, a bit of a shocking number. Yeah, we would expect it's better. Right? Yeah, I would hope so. So Pass Her The Mic provides a database of highly qualified women speakers for event organizers. True or false? True. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a compilation of a lot of really, really good talent across APAC. And when we say a lot, like roughly how many people are we talking in the database? Right now, the database would have about 250 women uh, speakers. All of them are, are um, topic experts. So it's, it's a big, it's a big um, source of pride for me. <laughs> yeah, right. And well, on that topic of experts, so all of the women who are in the database are vetted and qualified as experts in their field before being accepted. Is that true or false? It is not exactly true or false because expert in their field is different from expert on the topic. So in a lot of these um, presentations, you actually don't need an expert in the field. You need someone who could talk about a topic really well and really engagingly for a good 15 minutes. Um, and all of these women can do that. 
So having a database of 250 women who can speak really well and really engagingly, I mean, any conference organizers out there, that sounds like a pretty attractive database to be looking <laughs> at, right? Hope so. Uh, all right, final one. Pass Her the Mic was originally an initiative with your employer, Meta, but is now available to all companies. Is that true or false? It's very true. We started it in Meta, but last year we piloted it with some Marcom um, marketing and communications companies in APAC. And now we're moving to some advertisers, some industries that are also facing the same problems. So true. So is Meta happy to back and support this for other companies? I genuinely don't think I could have done this if I worked anywhere else. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, I mean, I worked for a long time in um, the agency industry. I worked in, in many different companies and um, they, they prioritize diversity as well. But it, it's really a different level at Meta where we truly believe that diversity leads to business success. So it is only because I worked in Meta that this became as big as it, as it is now. All right. So thanks for indulging me in that game of true or false, Anna. That's really enlightening. And again, I think it's just amazing that you've built such an awesome database in such a short period of time. So getting into my real questions then, uh, my first one is this. Sometimes there's a word or a concept that floats around in the culture for a while before it gains traction. Uh, you probably know where this is going. So I have a feeling you may have actually been responsible for popularizing one such term because since you've started using it, it's really crystallized the cause that you're fighting for. So my first question for you, Anna, is what is a manal? Yeah, that's a very um, that's a very good question because that's probably the one thing that I get the most comments on. I could speak for 20 minutes. That is the one thing they will remember, manal. Um, if, if you want to uh, know what it means, it I wish I made it up. I wish I, I wrote it, but I, it's been around for a long time. It's been an urban dictionary. It's short for man panel. So every time you look up in a stage and it's all men or predominantly men, that's a man panel. And that's really what triggered me to start Pass Through the Mic. I found myself, um, you know, in my line of work, I do a lot of, um, I host a lot of meetings. I host a lot of presentations. And I, was, I, I found myself about to host a manal. That's how it all started, really. And, and um, I, what I usually do is I ask partners to give speakers uh, recommendations, and most of them usually are men. That's not abnormal. That is a common thing that I would experience. But I don't know what it was in that like one day that I just couldn't let it through. I became a real big pain to my teammates. I said, we're not going to do this event if we don't get diversity. And we were able to do it. And so that's when I started thinking, hey, there are these really talented women out there. We found two of them for this event. Why was it so hard? They were the best speakers I've seen in, in a while. And they were so, um, like their voices were so fresh and their perspectives were so fresh. So I think that's what really triggered me to, to um, you know, open a spreadsheet in the middle of the night and start writing names um, and details and then sharing them around to different teams. And it turns out that this mano problem is universal almost like when i talk to other teams they would say oh i needed that list can i also add more names and that's how it started in meta um, and then the leadership started using it for their events and our marketing team started using it for their events 
And then it, it really was a big push from a colleague of mine to take it externally because he said, and it, it was a man who, who, um, who really pushed me and said, in every meeting I'm in, it's usually like a bunch of, I, I'm always looking for the women. There's hardly any in any of our in, engagements with this company. And so we started considering, you know, like how do we bring this to partners? And, and that's how it, it started um, in terms of partnering with um, the marketing and communications industry. And now I'm talking to someone in France who's saying, I I'm, I'm, have the same experience and I'd like to start this. So it's, um, it's a problem that is experienced by almost all of us, if not all of us, but there hasn't really been a very simple solution for it uh, until now. Absolutely. And look, I can attest to that. I've also been in lots of meetings and it's so true. You know, you, you walk into a meeting sometimes and it's just a sea of male faces looking back at you. So it is quite symptomatic of just, uh, I don't think it's any one industry either. I think it's across all industries, across all regions. So, I, I mean, it it probably seems obvious then, but the last point to that, I guess, Anna, being why is this a problem? It's a problem because diversity um, is integral to business success. If you're talking to the same people and don't have a diversity of opinion in the way you make your plans and the way you um, learn about the world, you're only hearing like half the story. So I think that we, we always need to question the sources of of what we're hearing. If we're hearing the same thing all the time, then there's no room for change. And I think that, I don't know, staying comfortable with what we're doing, you know, those events that have mostly men, that's a very comfortable process, to be honest. It's it's very easy. So I think we really need to push our companies and ourselves to to feel this discomfort of knowing that there's something wrong with with what we're we're experiencing because i think that this kind of discomfort or making things unbearable is what really drives change i don't see this as a diversity problem i see this as a business problem that's a a brilliant way of summarizing it i think because that's really often what causes lots of companies to act is when it when it pinches in the right place and it truly is you're right diversity is itself, it is a business problem. It causes business problems. So I think that's really the impetus for most companies to act. Okay. So Anna, as well as being my ex-colleague, you're also one of the most Zen people I know, uh, which perhaps you need to be my uh, colleague at certain times. But last time we caught up, you described how you managed to stay calm and present in everyday situations and moments, like even something as simple as being stuck in traffic or dealing with a, a rude clerk in the store or something like that. But to me, it feels like past her, the mic has unlocked something else entirely in you. Um, and it reminds me, there's obviously this very famous poster that we're all familiar with that's in every meta office around the world that says, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I kind of feel that the emotions of fear and anger are often portrayed as negatives, um, particularly in the squeaky clean world of Silicon Valley tech companies sometimes. So would you say maybe fear and anger have a role to play in both the problem, but also the solution of getting more women on stage? 
That's a great question. I mean, toxic positivity is very real. And sometimes it's encouraged in a lot of um, places, mainly because we're always kind of worried um, about how it will impact other people's, you know, mental health, and which is which is a good thing to think about. I think that if we over-index, though, in like positivity, what it does is it negates what you're actually experiencing, which is also very real. Um, and so you you mentioned anger and and fear. I, I would actually reframe anger into frustration, mainly because. I've done a lot of work on myself. You know, I, I've done therapy. I've done um, retreats. I, I do a lot of reading and uh, about meditation. I meditate. I, I do a lot of these things. And I, I rarely actually experience anger because um, it is a very, it's an all-consuming uh, emotion for me. And I, I, that's one of the problems I had in my youth, that it just ate me up. Um, and so I think now I, I experience frustration more than more than anything else. I know that it doesn't look like I don't experience anger because I have resting bitch face. Um, that's just my face. I, I apologize for that. Um, but in, internally, I'm quite calm, actually. I'm quite placid. Um, I also love drama. That's why I, I look like I'm angry all the time. But um, frustration and fear for me have two very different ro roles. They're actually almost opposites. Frustration is what gets me to act. Uh, fear is what holds me back. So one helps me and one does not. Um, frustration for me is the reason why in the middle of the night, I opened a spreadsheet and said, well, no one's solving this, so I might as well just start doing it myself. Um, and that's where um, a pastor that might came in. But then for, for fear... I realized that I've had this idea for years and years and years. I never acted on it. And it's because I was afraid of judgment, retaliation, um, people saying things behind my back, et cetera, et cetera. But I also work in a company that values diversity as part of business success. I enjoy my role. I enjoy my, I, I love my teammates. And I was thinking to myself, if I don't take risks in this ideal state, then when the hell am I going to do it? So fear really took a back seat for a while there so that it let my frustration then kind of drive me towards like action. So that's how I would think of um, frustration and fear. That's amazing. And a very well-adjusted way of looking at things. Clearly, you've uh, got a very good therapist um, or you, you've, you've been doing some great work on yourself or you've found a perfect meditation practice because I think to be able to channel those kind of emotions and funnel it into something positive is something that um, can help all of us in the workplace and just generally in our lives as well. Um, it's uh, you know, I, I think unrealistic to think that these emotions aren't going to come up, particularly in work situations where it's high stress. So it's great to see that, you know, you've managed to funnel those into something so positive here. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen naturally to me. It, I needed a lot of help and I needed a lot of guidance, but it really pays off. So if if you're like me ages ago where I was always kind of like um, anxious and and tired because I was... Um, not present. Um, I think just just start that journey, and it's it's it will pay off in the end. So, Anna, my third question is: throughout this process, what has surprised you? What's been maybe easier or harder than you expected it might be? So, there's there's two pillars for Pastor the Mike. There's like 
getting all of the speakers together, assembling them, building the inventory. And then there's one where you connect them with the people who need them. So these are the event organizers. How do they get discovered? I thought my problem was in the inventory. Because in the beginning, I was just going, there's not enough talent. Where are, you know, we need to build talent. And then once you go deeper and past the surface of it, you see like there's tons of talent. Tons of them. It's just that they've never been nominated. They're not brought up to these conferences. And so what I'm starting to see as the, the surprising problem really is to get all of these people who make the decisions on events, presentations, and, and get them to change a behavior. And it's starting to look really positive too, because the more you know that there's an issue, the more you, you kind of get to see all of these changes in behaviors too. So I'm starting to see that these event organizers are going from the very beginning, looking for diversity at the start. Um, that's really, it's that's a really good trend that I've been hearing about, but obviously there's still a lot of panels um, uh, that, that are just, they don't see it until it's too late and then diversity becomes a correction at the end. So that's, those are the people that I'm, I'm targeting for 2023. Amazing. So I guess my takeaway from that is you thought the problem was going to be inventory, but it sounds like building the list wasn't actually the hardest part. So maybe what what's the hardest part been then? The hardest part of this entire process is getting people to change their behaviors and beliefs about what a great speaker is. Um, the, the old way is, oh, you look for the most senior person. Well, that doesn't work for us anymore because, as you know, as you go higher and higher in the organization, there's less women. So they're now realizing that, hey, maybe the definition of a great speaker to me now isn't the most senior, isn't the most like uh, experienced necessarily even. Maybe we need fresh voices to, to make this conversation much more interesting and much more reflective of the population. Very, very true. I can attest to that from my old ad agency days. I remember there used to be a saying that was like, hey, we need a gray hair in the room, which is when we need a, a very senior person who can come in and wield the authority. And I'm sure there's even some gender bias in a statement like that. Um, there's so much wrapped up in that. But I, I do agree. I think, yeah, just changing those perceptions about what is a great speaker um, it's it's a tough challenge, but yes, yeah, certainly one that you've you've made a dent in so far. So on that, uh, we come to our final question. Then let's end on a positive, uplifting note. Final question for you, Anna. What have been some of the good news stories to date? Then. Oh, thank you for asking that because that's what keeps me going, Amber. I mean, if it if you're just looking at the work, I would have quit ages ago. I, it, it's a lot of work, but what really gets me going are a few things. One is the program is spreading. So outside of my own pushing and, and kind of um, talking about it, there are people who are really picking it up and doing it on their own. Um, it was launched in Brazil last um, last month in December 2022 by some uh, an agency partner in, in Meta in Brazil. Um, we're, we're looking into Europe. They we're looking into some other industries as well. Like the automotive industry is very interested in, in fixing an, uh, this problem within their industry and using pass-through them like as a solution. So that's very exciting. 
Um, and it's really just these small conversations I've been having with the women who are involved. Um, not only have they started speaking more and really kind of putting more value in their own careers and in their own skills, they're also saying that they've had ideas in the past that they just sat on for years. And just seeing the past her the mic program coming from one person working in the middle of the night on a spreadsheet, um, it really kind of encouraged them to take that one step towards changing something that's been frustrating them for a long time. So um, that's what really keeps me going is that all of these changes are happening um, in different regions, in different minds, in different industries. Um, and it, it, that's really the fuel that's been, been driving me forward. Another really good thing that I'm seeing is that we have these really big established organizations that are actually changing their behavior when it comes to organizing events and conferences. So one example is that there was um, one company that I called out who basically just invited the same people that they used to invite in every event. And what they did for their next event, actually, is that ages from that next event, very early, but then they started already briefing us on the requirements for that event because they wanted to make sure that diversity was baked in to the speaker bench very early on. And like I said earlier, there's some companies use diversity as almost like a correction at the end. Um, that's trouble because you won't get the best um, speakers with that. But if you think about it very early on, and I'm starting to see it in these companies that I talked about, you'll have an amazing lineup of, of women. A lot of them are fresh voices. Um, and you're going to have you're, you're going to be like chilling until the next event because your diversity um, uh, tick box is already ticked. So um, this is a very promising um, progress for, for a lot of these established companies. Anna, this has been such a delightful conversation. And again, congratulations on making such an impact on a worthy problem to solve. My final question for you is to roll out the red carpet and uh, say, where can people find out more about Pass Her the Mic? Well, uh, all your listeners could find their next amazing woman speaker for their events or their meetings um, through a website. So uh, you can see the link in this post or just scan this QR code. I will post the link in the description and in the show notes. And right now we will post the QR code so you can scan that everybody and go directly to the website to find out more. Anna, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you again so much for joining me here today. And thanks so much, everyone out there for listening. That's enough water cooler chat for today. Let's all get back to work. I'm Arma Iqbal. And I'm Anna Soliman. Stay tuned and I'll see you soon. Bye.